If you really think about it, baseball season is actually right around this corner. And if baseball is right around this corner, then Dylan Cruz's debut could also be around the corner. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you all for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clary. You can catch me over on Twitter at RyanClary11 and as well as the show page at LO underscore Nationals. For all your latest Nationals news and notes, make sure to check us out over on Twitter. and Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Nationals. Later on in today's show, Eric Fetty. Just one the MVP in the KBO League. Oh my God. If you're watching on YouTube, you probably see the rundown today and you'll even see the OMG right next to that topic. I would love to do 45 to an hour just simply on that topic. We don't have enough time for that, but we're going to get into it a little bit later on in the show because, oh my God, he just won an MVP in a league. Eric Fetty, former first round pick for the Nationals. Oh my God. I don't know what to say about it, but... We're going to get to that a little bit later on. But are, are the Nationals potentially in on Noah Syndergaard and also maybe another name? There's kind of been some influx in free agency, you could say. A lot of moving parts. But so far, the Nationals, they've been kind of staying put, staying quiet here. Could they be in on Thor, you know, former All-Star with the New York Mets? Bounced around the league a pretty good amount, you could say. And as well as another pitcher who, in my opinion, this would be kind of an interesting signing that we haven't really mentioned so far this offseason. But let's get into Dylan Cruz and really his 2024 projections here. But before we do that, let me tell you guys about our today, our sponsor of the show today, and that is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Dylan Cruz going into this season, a lot of people are kind of expecting him to make his major league debut over the 2024 season. Now, is this going to be something that could be happening early on in the 2024 season? Or is this something that we're probably going to have to kind of let sit and marinate overnight a little bit here? And in my opinion, I think Dylan Cruz, the question, if we're going to propose this one right here, right now, is he going to make his debut in 2024? 100% yes. He's going to make the majors at some point this season, barring anything crazy or an unforeseen injury at this moment. But other than that, when should we be expecting that? Because I think that's really what the Nationals and their fan base really want to know at this moment in time. Dylan Cruz is the hottest commodity in all of minor league baseball, you could even say. There's Jackson Holiday that you could rave about. Jackson Chirillo from the Milwaukee Brewers. There's a lot of different prospects that you can go out and really talk about and rave about. But really none as hyped as Dylan Cruz. No one with the pedigree of someone like Dylan Cruz who won the MVP back his last season in college. Won the national championship. Carried their offense all the way through that into Omaha. Winning the national championship alongside Paul Skeens there. The Nationals, 
they're in good position as far as Dylan Cruz goes. Now, when is he going to make his major league debut? I'm willing to bet at this moment in time, you'd probably see Dylan Cruz maybe sometime this July or at the latest, probably August, similar to what we did this past year. You kind of go to the trade deadline, you chip off some of your pieces that you may move off of. Maybe you sign another third baseman that you move off of at the deadline. Maybe you trade away Lane Thomas at this moment in time. Who knows who that could be? But the reason is there's going to be a roster spot that opens up and Dylan Cruz is likely going to be that guy to fill in that role at some point this summer. And really getting on to beyond his debut, what should Nationals fans expect? Because I did believe that fan graphs kind of have him as a projected negative war going into 2024, saying that he's probably going to make his major league debut here. He's probably going to get a decent amount at bats, but he's not going to be all that impactful. Call me a homer. Call me whatever you want. But when you have the talent of Dylan Cruz, he is going to make an impact one way or the other, whether it be with a little bit of power, whether it be getting on base. Dylan Cruz is one of the most impactful prospects the Nationals have probably had since Bryce Harper is Steven Strasburg. Not even the likes of Juan Soto or Victor Robles. Dylan Cruz, he's that guy. In this loaded kind of era of prospects where the really the game is kind of switching into this power slash speed combination. Dylan Cruz may not have the speed for it, but he certainly does have a little bit of power. He's got the hit tool that really we haven't seen in quite some time here. Dylan Cruz is going to make an impact regardless of what happens this year. Now, here's really the question, because this was kind of what I saw in 2023 as he kind of worked his way up in the minors. Dylan Cruz, when he went to Fredericksburg, killed the baseball there. He started off a little bit slow, then he kind of ripped his way off and just killed the baseball. He was very good making web gym plays, hitting home runs. Dylan Cruz, he's going to be just fine. But then when he got into the double A level, that is when you kind of saw him take a little bit of a dip. And when we're talking about a dip, we're talking about his production overall. I'm not all too concerned about that with Dylan Cruz though. I'm not concerned about a college kid making the jump up to professional baseball, playing this as a game. And really, you know, it's a different mindset when you play it professionally every single day. You don't necessarily have to win every game. And you don't have to win every game down in college as well. But still, there's a little bit more pressure to kind of put everything out there, all you have at every given moment. And of course, that's what professional athletes are going to do as well. But it's a little bit of a different mindset because you have to spread that wealth across multiple months. And Dylan Cruz was playing regular season baseball games as early as like February 10th of this last year. That is absurd. That is really what these college kids have to go through. And then they have to maintain the regular season for minor league baseball if you were drafted. That's why you see a lot of different times pitchers will get shut down. They will not pitch any longer in that minor league season. They're going to want to get some rest and all that. But when you're a position player and a slugger, the way that Dylan Cruz is, you're expected to go out there and play and also perform at a very high level, in which he did, by the way, this year. But here's kind of where he dipped off a little bit. When he got to Harrisburg, you kind of saw his pitch selection get a little bit out there. He was striking out a little bit more, wasn't really gener generating walks at the rate that he was down in Fredericksburg. And even then, it's a small sample size. But when you're surrounded by that loaded Harrisburg Senators team, which it was at the end of the season with James Wood, Trey Lipscomb, 
Brady House, Robert ha I mean, all the big-name prospects, they were in AA Harrisburg to end that season. There's a lot of pressure to come with that as well. I'm not all too concerned about his issues and the strikeout rate at the end of the year. Dylan Cruz is going to be just fine. But going into 2024, I do want to see a little bit of a change in Dylan Cruz's approach because kind of getting back to what we saw and really what the game has become over time, it's become this power slash speed threat. And that is kind of what you want to see. Dylan Cruz got caught stealing a lot of different times over his short professional stint of minor league baseball. Dylan Cruz still has speed. He's got above average speed. Is he going to be a 40 stolen base guy? No. But on the flip side of it, he easily has the potential to be a 20 stolen base, 20 home run guy. In fact, I think that is what should be the expectations going down the line. When you are carried with this, you know, generational price tag, the way that Dylan Cruz was, no one's saying he's going to be the next Bryce Harper. No one's saying that at all. But his hit tool is considered generational. No one really has entered the draft with a hit tool like Dylan Cruz and the way that he can be impactful just putting the ball in play. He's above average speed. He's got a little bit of power, and he's got the hit tool. If he can work on his power, cutting down some strikeouts a little bit, and also making smarter decisions on the base path, this is where you'll see Dylan Cruz really progress and take those next steps in order to be the prospect that we are all hoping him to be, which is this big, generational, kind of franchise-changing prospect. And there's different things that could happen with this. Dylan Cruz could ultimately struggle a little bit, which wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world, considering every prospect does go through some struggles. Jackson Chirio started off this season a top-five prospect in baseball. He struggled mightily down in single-A and double-A and wherever else he was. You saw a lot of other different cases of Cade Cavalli at points last year, really struggling with the Nationals down in the minors, kind of getting it figured out as the season went on. There's a lot of different cases that you can look at and say, well, it's not as easy as a transition as it may seem at this moment. But on the other hand, Dylan Cruz, he's going to be different. He's going to make his debut at some point this 2024 season. And on the other hand of it, he's probably going to make a decent-sized impact. I definitely don't see him having a negative F war. That's not what I expect from Dylan Cruz. It's not what I expect from any of the top prospects, in fact. But if he were to make the jump to the majors... Number one, that means he's ready. And number two, get ready because he's going to make an impact at some point this season, and it's going to be a beautiful sight to see. Thank you all for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, coming up in later in today's show, Eric Fetty won an MVP award. Oh my God. We're going to discuss that a little bit later on. And really kind of what this means about the Nationals development staff, because let's be honest, Eric Fetty, former first round pick, former top 100 prospect, according to many different sites, was awful with us and just won an MVP award overseas. Not great, but on the other hand, congratulations to him. I can't wait to talk about that. But also next, we're going to get into Noah Syndergaard and another intriguing first Name that we haven't really mentioned all too much, but would it make sense for the Nationals to really kind of get in that market? We'll talk about that after I tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. And guys, 
Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because the app is so easy to use. And there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. Like in Thursday Night Football, you have the Seahawks against the Cowboys. Here in D.C., we don't like the Cowboys. So guess what? I'm going to go to FanDuel. I'm going to play some player prop spreads, all whatever you want on that game. And, of course, it's going to be against those Cowboys. So if you want to do that just like me, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Now we get back into it as the Nationals, the Washington Nationals. There's kind of been reports of Ken Rosenthal saying that there are multiple teams in on Noah Syndergaard. At this moment in time, I have not seen anyone say that the Nationals are interested in him. But kind of reading the room of where we are in this rebuild, this certainly makes sense for the Washington Nationals. But I'm here to tell you right here, right now, please do not do that. I'm not interested in this Noah Syndergaard market. You've seen him over the years, and we know the issues that have really come with Noah Syndergaard over the years. It's not off the field issues or anything of that caliber, but on the other hand of it, he's kind of a little bit of a drama queen also. But then beyond all that stuff, let's talk about on the field stuff. Noah Syndergaard has not been good. Number one, hasn't been all that great. Number two, hasn't been healthy. That is something that we have kind of seen over time. Are the Nationals going to be interested in that market? Maybe. But for someone like Noah Syndergaard, I think that kind of train has run its course at this moment in time. Noah Syndergaard, fine pitcher. He's been in the Cy Young race before, has been an all-star. But you're not going to be turning his career around at this moment in time. Having all these injuries and really just a lot of them piling up year after year, having the Guardians DFA him back in this last August, it's just not for me at this moment in time. You could make a case as to why the Nationals should go into Noah Syndergaard and why they should be in the market. And the case for that would be, well, he could be a bounce-back candidate because in 2022, he wasn't all that bad. He'd had a decent season, but still, this is not someone that I think the Nationals should be in on. The Nationals... They should try to be bargain hunting here. And some people, again, they may look at Noah Syndergaard and say, this is a bargain here. This is someone who could kind of turn his career around here. And who knows? Maybe he's with the Nationals for a few more years. Maybe you trade him at the deadline. Or maybe he flounders out and nothing happens at the deadline, similar to what we did with Corey Dickerson this last deadline. There's a lot of different possibilities here. And again, the Nationals, they could be in this market, and they probably should be in this market. They need to get those bounce-back candidates, similar to what they did with Candelario, and similar to what they're going to be doing this offseason as well. But I'm good on Noah Syndergaard. There are other options at this moment that I think could fit the Nationals' needs, and also just be a more impactful player. Because at the end of the day, here's the thing. I want to see competitive baseball. I can't be doing this tanking thing year after year after year. And again, the Nationals, I don't think they're going to be tanking this year. I think they're going to be trying to win baseball games just like they've been doing over the last few years. But still, you get the point. I want to get someone a little bit more flashy. 
someone who may have a little bit more stuff left in them, someone who you could trade at the deadline, but also someone who could just be a good, impactful pitcher. Because that is something that the Nationals desperately need. When you're going out there with Mackenzie Gore, who was really good in his first full season in the majors, Josiah Gray having an all-star campaign, Jake Irvin looking really solid as a rookie kind of back-end starter type. And then on the other hand, you have Trevor Williams and Patrick Corbin. I want to get out of that market. Is Noah Syndergaard going to be better than Trevor Williams and Patrick Corbin? Probably. But really, over the course of 2023, Syndergaard was not much better than either of them. So if you're going to convince the fan base we fixed our our pitching issues, here's Noah Syndergaard for you. What? I'm sorry. It's just not for me at this moment in time, especially after you just had a 6-5 ERA in 18 starts. But again, he did have a 3-9-4 ERA in 24 starts back in 2022, but I don't think we're going to be getting that version of Noah Syndergaard, a.k.a. Thor, whatever you want to call him here. So at this moment, I wouldn't be in the market for Noah Syndergaard. What I would be in the market for, the pitcher who we haven't really talked about all too much, is Alex Wood. Right-handed pitcher from the San Francisco Giants has been an all-star in the past with the Los Angeles Dodgers. A lot of different teams over the years, but still, there is a track record of relative success that you could say. Now, last year, a little bit of a disastrous kind of campaign, you could say. And really also in 2022, kind of disastrous as well. In 2023, though, not all too bad considered to his 2022 season. In 29 appearances and only 12 starts, he had a 4-3-3 ERA, 97 and two-thirds innings pitch, along with 98 strikeouts. Before that, in 2022, 26 starts with a 5-1 ERA. In 2021, 26 starts with a 3-8-3 ERA. Alex Wood is not someone that you're going to be going out there saying, we need this guy, he's going to make our team better. Is it a little similar to the Trevor Williams signing? Sure. But I also think Alex Wood has a much higher ceiling than someone like a Trevor Williams. You could be saying, well, Ryan, we're kind of going to be settling for what we were last offseason with Trevor Williams again. We're going to be getting someone who probably really isn't a full-time starter anymore, and we're going to be making him a full-time starter again, and that's what we're going to do. I don't think that's the case in this scenario, though. I think Alex Wood actually is still a pretty competitive starting pitcher, and I think that's kind of been the case over the years. Looking back at his track record again, He's been an all-star. He's had multiple seasons back with the Dodgers. He's had really good seasons with the Giants in years past. And even dating back to his Atlanta days, he's had good seasons with them as well as a starting pitcher. There's more of a track record than someone of the like of Trevor Williams. This isn't me just picking on Trevor Williams, by the way. Trevor Williams, he could certainly make an impact in a different role here. I just think he's going to be that fireman guy. And that's when you can actually see Trevor Williams kind of in his spotlight there. That's really what his zone is kind of be in, come out of the bullpen, make spot starts, and give you a couple quality innings. That's where Trevor Williams can excel at. But I think Alex Wood, this would be kind of that, not a flashy signing, but this would be a signing that would make sense for the Nationals. You could convince the fan base that, number one, this guy's a former All-Star. He has had quality innings pitch even since the pandemic because going back to Trevor Williams, 2022 was solid for him in the New York Mets. But all those solid appearances, most of them came out of the bullpen, kind of eating up innings, in which he did a very good job at. But still, 
I think Alex Wood would be the more impactful player to sign this year in order to kind of bolster up this starting rotation. Again, someone who has been on postseason teams before, someone who has been an all-star before, someone who has been middle of the rotation guy, someone who's been a front-end starter on different teams. Alex Wood would kind of fit that role of what the Nationals want. Number one, they want someone who's going to be a leader in that clubhouse, someone who could kind of take on a leadership role, take guys like Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, and Cade Cavalli kind of under their belt and see what they can do. This would fit that role. And then also, considering that Alex Wood came out of the bullpen in a lot of scenarios last year, this could be something to which the Nationals may say, you could be in the bullpen when Cade Cavalli comes up and you're not getting the job done. Maybe he wouldn't be all too thrilled about it, but also probably wouldn't be all too butthurt about it, considering that's what he did majority of the time last year with the San Francisco Giants. There's a lot of different cases here in which this can go. But I think Alex Wood would be a lot better and be a lot more convincing to this fan base instead of the likes of a Noah Syndergaard. And again, this is not something that I just hate Noah Syndergaard about. He's fine. He's a good pitcher. If the Nationals did sign him, I wouldn't be up, up to like terribly upset. It's whatever at this point in time. But also, there are options that make more sense that would probably cost as much money as the likes of a Noah Syndergaard signing here. So the Nationals, if you're going to be in that market for bounce-back candidates, don't look at Noah Syndergaard. Look at Alex Wood because there's a lot better chance that he can bounce back than Noah Syndergaard, in my opinion, at this moment. Thank you all for making Locked On Nets your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On Plus, our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. And while you're at it, Make sure to look up Locked On Nationals on YouTube. Subscribe over there as well as you get to see this smiling face every single day. Next, we're going to get into Eric Fetty. I cannot wait to talk about this. Eric Fetty winning MVP in the KBO League. Oh my God. Stay tuned. Now we get back into it as Eric freaking Fetty. Eric. Fetty, the UNLV product, the first round pick, former top 100 prospect with the Washington Nationals. Got bounced from the Nationals, did not sign with the major league team, went overseas to the KBO, and he won the MVP, the most valuable player of the KBO league. Oh my God. Eric Fetty? Listen, at first, it kind of made me upset. I'm not going to lie to you. Now, is the KBO not up to par with Major League Baseball considering the talent and everything like that? Yes, it isn't. But also, on the other hand, the KBO is not bad whatsoever. It is not a lack of talent league. It is definitely up there with Major League Baseball as one of the better leagues in the entire world when it comes to this sport. It's not Major League Baseball, though. But also, Yamamoto. Why is everyone clamoring for him at this moment in time? Because he dominated the KBO at such a young age. Eric Fetty, 
obviously not as young as someone like Yamamoto and guys in the past, whether just name those prospects that have been in the, in the KBO. There's been a lot of them over the years. I believe Gerardo Parra even had a stint in the KBO back in 2020, I believe. Whatever. Eric Fetty won MVP. Here's the thing, though. Eric Fetty is now going to be signing back with a major league team, whether we like it or not. He's not going to get some huge major deal, but he's going to get a one-year deal, probably worth a couple million dollars at this moment in time, and it's going to be a major league contract. He just won MVP, man, and these numbers are legit. He had he went 20-6 and six in a decent amount of starts, in or about 30 starts, I believe, had a 2.0 ERA in 180 and third innings pitch, had 209 strikeouts with a 0.954 whip. Where was this Eric Fetty? Here's the thing with the Nationals, because this is kind of the conversation that I think we're going to get into a lot this offseason. The Nationals and the lack of development when it comes to pitching, I've never really thought that this was a lack of talent issue. I've never really thought that it's the Nationals not finding talent. I think the Nationals and Mike Rizzo, He does a great job of pinpointing who's talented and who's not. You can find a lot of different things with pitch recognition, all these different things that Mike Rizzo has used to really kind of catapult this franchise into being a World Series champion. He's still got all those things. Now, here's the thing where I think the Nationals aren't that great at. Player development. Now, who does that fall on? It could be the director of player player personnel. It could be on Mike Rizzo. There's blame to go around for anyone if you really want to talk about that. That's not really what we're getting into. But as a team and as an organization, this is kind of where it opens my eyes and says, oh boy, if Eric Fetty were to sign with a major league team, say it's the Mariners or a team like that who really uses analytics and really kind of gets the most out of pitchers when it comes to the likes of Eric Fetty. If he were to sign with one of those teams, watch out. I'm telling you right now, watch out for Eric Fetty. Did he just go over there and discover himself in the KBO? Maybe he did. But also on the other hand, he's probably going to be coming back to the States. He's probably going to sign a major league contract here. And also, I would not be all that surprised if he is an impact pitcher. He's not going to be at the front of the line of a rotation, but... He's going to be a back-end starter for a team come this April. Who's it going to be? I don't know. If the Nationals, I mean, really, at this moment in time, if the Nationals were to say, check, please, on Eric Fetty, and they were to say, let's get it. Let's try to sign Eric Fetty again, run this thing back. I wouldn't be opposed to it at this moment in time because Eric Fetty has always had the talent. He's had the pitches. He's had a lot of different stuff over his career, and really, he had that really kind of yo-yo effect that we talk about Luis Garcia, where early on in his career, he's up and down in the majors, up and down in the majors, up and down in the majors, and then all of a sudden gets thrown in the fire, and we expect him to be this first-round pick, and that just never was going to be the case with the way that we handled that, in my opinion. But Eric Fetty won the MVP of the KBO League. Again, I could talk about this for 30 minutes and really what went wrong, what went right for Eric Fetty, Congratulations to him, though, because, again, Nationals fans, a lot of us killed him at many different moments throughout his career. A lot of people expected great things from Eric Fetty. Unfortunately, it didn't happen here in Washington, D.C., but overseas in the KBO, my guy is the most valuable player in that league. What a story, Eric Fetty.
Oh my God. That's really it with Eric Fetty. Unbelievable to say the least, but wow. I don't know. I don't know, man. All right. We will catch you guys on the other side. We will be talking to you guys tomorrow, continuing to talk about free agency and maybe some Eric Fetty news as well. Catch you on the flip side.